Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. First, our weekly review of business stories from Caixin. Despite being blocked in China, Twitter is filtering around the edges of the world's largest internet market. The preferred communication channel of President Donald Trump has set up a team dedicated to the greater China market, mostly based in Hong Kong and the company's Asia headquarters in Singapore, a company official told Caixin. That team serves the Chinese mainland, Taiwan, and Hong Kong and has nearly doubled in size this year, she added. The official declined to give specific numbers, including any figures for the company's China business in terms of headcount or sales. Twitter earns most of its money from the Chinese mainland by selling advertising and other services to Chinese companies looking to reach Twitter's global audience. That approach is similar to one used by Facebook, but Facebook has taken a more aggressive approach to China, including the establishment of sales offices in Beijing and Shanghai. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg has also said on numerous occasions that he wants his company to have a presence of sorts in China, while Twitter has been much more muted on the subject. Ford Motor and leading Chinese e-commerce firm Alibaba announced a major strategic collaboration in online car-related services as the U.S. auto giant seeks to revive its flagging sales in the world's largest car market. Under their new three-year agreement, the pair will initially explore new opportunities in the car retailing experience, from pre-sales to test drives and financial leasing options. Ford will collaborate with Alibaba's cloud computing unit, its computer operating system, Alimama digital marketing arm, and its popular T-Mall business-to-consumer online shopping mall. China is the world's largest auto market, with about 23 million vehicles sold in the first 10 months of the year. Ford is a relatively small player due to its late arrival, and has seen sales slow in 2017 after several years of rapid growth as it plays catch-up to more established foreign rivals like General Motors and Volkswagen. The race to go ticketless at Chinese subway stations is zipping ahead with a new tie-up between the Shanghai subway operator and electronic payments giant Alipay. The pair signed an agreement on Tuesday that could make current subway cards obsolete and will also see a number of other new high-tech bells and whistles enter China's second most traveled subway system after only Beijing. Under the agreement, there will be an Alipay payment option in the Shanghai Metro's mobile app starting early next year. 
The collaboration comes just weeks after Alipay rival WeChat rolled out its similar payment option for the subway system in Guangzhou, capital of affluent Guangdong province. The deal allowed WeChat users to pass through the system's turnstiles by scanning QR codes generated by their smartphones. China may have to raise personal income taxes and finally introduce a real estate levy to create room to cut corporate taxation amid concerns that legislation going through the U.S. Congress could make the country less attractive as an investment destination and potentially lead to capital outflows. The U.S. Senate last week narrowly passed what would be the largest tax overhaul in America since the 1980s. The U.S. Senate last week narrowly passed what would be the largest tax overhaul in America since the 1980s, paving the way for President Donald Trump to sign into law a bill he says could cut the corporate tax rate to 20% from 35%. The reform has triggered worldwide concern over the potential impact on business, investment, and tax rates in other countries. Finance ministers from European Union countries are expected to discuss the planned U.S. changes at their monthly meeting this week. As the world's second-largest economy and one of the main destinations for foreign direct investment from the U.S., China is unlikely to escape spillover effects from the legislation. The government is already well aware of the problems in the domestic tax system and the potential impact of changes in taxation regimes in major economies such as the U.S. A state-owned bus company has run four buses with self-driving capabilities through a 4,000-foot predetermined route in downtown Shenzhen. The test run marks a victory for the southern city as it seeks to burnish its image as a center of high-tech in China and help drive the central government's efforts to develop the country's fledgling self-driving car industry. The purely electric buses employed an autonomous driving system developed by a local tech company, Shenzhen Heilion Technologies, and the state-owned Shenzhen Bus Group. Although drivers still needed to intervene in some circumstances, the buses were by and large free to drive autonomously, said a company representative. The buses have the capabilities to avoid pedestrians, vehicles, and barriers, as well as safely change lanes and stop at designated locations. China must motivate local authorities to prioritize financial stability over high economic growth to help control debt risks and put less focus on expansion, the IMF said in a report. Some of the underlying causes of financial risk in China's economy stem from the quote-unquote overriding objective, especially among local governments, to achieve high growth rates, which has fueled a substantial expansion in debt and shadow banking. Although the leadership has made financial stability a top priority, their efforts will not succeed, quote, unless the incentives of local governments can be aligned with this goal, notably by improving social safety nets to reduce the social cost of higher unemployment, close quote, the fund warned, which listed 35 main recommendations for Chinese authorities. Thanks, Ada. Let's turn now, as we do each week, to some of Caixin's editors and writers to talk about some of the big stories in the news this week. First up is Doug Young, senior editor at Caixin Global. Doug, you've got some corporate news to share about Weibo, which has been described as China's Twitter. So what's up with Weibo? Uh, this is a, actually quite a fun story, and, and it's not a story you see too often in China. It's really sort of a story of a, a phoenix rising from the ashes. I was never a really a big fan of this company called Weibo, which has essentially got its life starting as a, a knockoff of Twitter. It did absolutely nothing original, and what happened was the original Twitter got blocked in China in 2009, and suddenly this handful of Chinese imitators suddenly became the only alternative. And because Weibo is associated with this company called Sina, 
which is a very popular web portal, it just took off, it exploded and, and became really big. But of course, in China, they, they didn't do really anything to innovate or very little. And after like three or four years of becoming a really hot company without doing anything, they really fizzled a bit. They got overtaken by WeChat and, and then other news sources. It became sort of an online news platform. But anyhow, the comeback story is just in the last, probably last couple of years, it's just exploded. And it, it, what they've found is they found a business for themselves, basically becoming a platform for people to develop themselves as online personalities and celebrities. Could be singing songs, could be writing poetry, you know, anything you want. But people who think they've got some talent can use Weibo now, and they do use Weibo uh, to develop these huge fan bases and then parlay that into money for themselves. But then Weibo gets a cut of that. And just this past week, Weibo actually put out some numbers. I, I'm sure they were probably slightly inflated, but they said that uh, Weibo is like 25,000 core online celebrities earned 20 billion yuan for themselves this year, 2017. Uh, so if you do a little math, that's basically about three billion U.S. dollars, which isn't isn't too bad for a bunch of self-styled online celebrities. Well, well, I would contest the claim that Weibo didn't innovate initially. I actually think that they had a ton of functions that Twitter just didn't, and and only later adapted, ironically, probably from looking at Weibo. But uh, and not to mention the fact that it was just incredibly solidly built and and didn't crash all the time like Twitter used to. But we can talk about that another time. Uh, does the Weibo platform itself lend itself to what what they wanted to do with these celebrities? I mean, is this something that their rivals like Tencent, Weixin, aren't really able to do? This is where Weibo really has a strength, and, and this is where it always had a strength. It has two-way capabilities, but it's also very much a one-way sort of thing where you, you, know, you do have individuals, and then you have thousands and sometimes even millions of people following somebody. So it's, it's much more of a one-way thing. It's the celebrity or the star, the newspaper, whoever— uh, issuing their opinions on stuff to millions or thousands of followers. And if you look at the original Twitter, the, the current Twitter, it's, it's also the same. You, you see the vast majority of people have very, very few followers, and then there are a few really authoritative personalities or who have most of the followers. And that really lends itself to this kind of star development, you know, uh, like a self-promotional platform, which is what Weibo has has become, but for celebrities rather than, you know, news sources or these other things. So is this going to rescue Weibo in the end? Yeah, well, it really has. I mean, Weibo has has just gone bonkers. Their, their profits are, are going gangbusters and their their revenue is going gangbusters. I think the revenue pretty much doubled in the last uh, quarter and the profit tripled. And the stock price is the most impressive. That's grown, I think, fivefold over the last two years. So this is definitely a comeback story that's, that's got legs. Um, you know, ask me in another two or three years, maybe it'll be another boom bust. But for now, it looks good. Thank you, Doug. Okay. Thanks a lot, Kaiser. Uh, so now, Doug, let's, let's actually uh, talk about a big Africa and China story about China's changing relationship with the continent that recently ran in Saishin Global. And, and in a second here, let's bring in Mo Yelin, who actually reported from a couple of countries in Africa for this. But first, Doug, uh, why do we care about what's happening now between Africa and China? We care about this because it, it actually really has a very transformative feeling to it. Uh, what's happening in Africa now is in many ways 
like what happened to China. Uh, anybody who came to China in the 80s uh, knew what China looked like then. It was basically this backwater, uh, these really poorly equipped small factories and, and just not much of anything. And then you suddenly started getting all these Western companies and, and Hong Kong companies investing and setting up all these workshops. And, and soon China started becoming this manufacturing powerhouse. And, and then not long after that, they learned to do it themselves. And, you know, fast forward to the present, uh, Beijing and, and Shanghai especially look like, you know, any major Western city with, with a few exceptions, of course. But anyhow, this, this looks like it's, it's getting set to replay now in Africa. So that's sort of the big story. Again, moving in a little closer, it's, it's really just all about manufacturing. Africa and China have a long history, uh, but much of that has been pretty politicized. Uh, the earliest Chinese companies to go to Africa were pretty much all state-run companies. Uh, there was an early wave of them that were basically involved in resource development, essentially taking Africa's re resources and shipping them back to China. Uh, then there was a, a second wave, which is a little more recent, of infrastructure development. But again, this was sort of China having just developed all its own infrastructure, saying, hey, let's take our expertise and, and export it elsewhere. And a lot of these infrastructure projects that China did for Africa were to help it get its, uh, the resources out of the country back to China. And most of them were financed with Chinese money. So it's still very much a, a political story. Uh, Government-led companies, you know, these big state-owned enterprises basically doing work uh, with government planning and government types of goals, getting resources back to China and exporting China's infrastructure building ability. So that's the first two waves. The third wave, which is what our story is all about, is this wave of, of manufacturers. And these companies, in a way, are doing sort of what Western companies did back in the 80s, which is start going to China to get take advantage of the low labor costs and, and set up manufacturing uh, facilities. And now it's the Chinese who are discovering, hey, it's getting expensive in China. Let's go to Africa and set up some factories there. Uh, and that's what they're doing. And, and this report looks at, at a few. Uh, they've, they've gone into a lot of areas, but the, probably the most common is, is really lower end things like construction materials, clothing, uh, things that are sort of bulky and heavy, very low tech, labor intensive. And they're Chinese entrepreneurs, which most of them are, are private, unlike the earlier generation, which were all state run or state connected. They're going to Africa and, and setting up factories, and, and they now are the biggest source of Chinese investment in Africa, easily, much, much bigger than any of this infrastructure investment or, or resource investment. So, Yelin, uh, tell us where you went and what you did there. In September, late September and early October, uh, I paid a visit to Nairobi and Tanzania, and in Nairobi, and in both countries, we visited several, just like Doug said, those uh, third way of manufacturers making product, basically in Africa. And we visited several of them. One that impressed me the most is uh, one based in Kenya, Nairobi, Yosin, which is a electricity transformers maker. So I visited the factory 
when you are entering the the factory, you basically cannot see a single Chinese worker. All of them are Africans, and they are doing the works. So it is pretty much、uh, the common thing now happening in Africa right now. These Chinese manufacturers are actually employing like eighty percent or ninety percent of local staffs there, and this kind of manufacturer, Chinese manufacturers, also learn to interact with the the local governments, business associations, and they also adopted more savvy way of doing business. Like the factory I visited. At the very beginning, it found itself because of the language barrier. They cannot train the local staff very efficiently, so they kind of invite a third party into the factory and help do the training. So, Yeling, what type of Chinese people live there?、Uh, the business people and their families. And did you meet them? And and has the relationship between them and local people changed?、Uh, I'm I'm curious what kind of people now are are going to live in Africa. What kind of Chinese people? Yeah, this is the very interesting thing that comes along with this new wave of uh, uh, manufacturing uh, trend that these younger generations are coming coming into Africa, and these、uh, younger generations are pretty much、uh, very different to the their older older counterparts and. Uh, those older generations tend to work for state-owned enterprises. So for these younger generations, they prefer to work for the private business.、Uh, want to live in the African countries for for longer term. So I was very lucky to to go to to visit a slum. You visited a slum. Yeah, the slum I visited is actually、uh, the, the chance I got from. From Chansin, so Chansin is based in in Nairobi.、Uh, I want to tell a bit what I saw and what I experienced in the slum. And what strikes me most is that a group、uh, led by several Chinese several Chinese professionals, which works for Chansin, as I I mentioned just now, they went to the slum together with their little baby, like just two or three years old. And as long as the that baby in the slum, the African kids in the neighborhood just all、uh, rushing to the kid, and they have never seen such a Chinese kid, which are very very different with the yellow yellow skin and the black eyes, something like that. And I talked with these these several Chinese friend there, and they they are saying they they want to. Let their children to settle in in Nairobi, and they are also、uh, talking about which school they want their their children in Africa to attend. So I found these other things that that is unimaginable for the older generations. I know that with any kind of cultural differences, something is pronounced as this.、Um, in, in this case, there are, are also financial and trade and, and power imbalances in play here.、Uh, these differences are going to create real challenges. So,、uh, tell us a bit about these challenges and what people are doing to try to meet them.、Uh, like a guy I met,、uh, he's very careful to use his、uh, social media WeChat. 
he just don't don't want to post some very negative things about Africa because that might scare their families. So he kind of like always uh, post what fantastic food he had, anything like that to make their families, you know, know he is actually very safe in in Africa, something like that. So this is one thing. And the second challenge is from the Africans. Chinese have an stereotypical opinions about them, and they also have the similar ones to Chinese. For example, I was very shocked to learn that many people in Nairobi do actually believe that Chinese are eating human beings. And they even show me pictures from Facebook and Twitter that those supermarkets in China are actually selling human flesh, something like that. And another thing they I was quite shocked to learn is that many Africans believe Chinese laborers working in Africa are criminals sent by the Chinese government. So there are still this kind of misunderstanding between China and Africa. But I feel like these younger generations are beginning to interact more and more, and these things might be changing, I think. So, Yelene, we would love to have you back on the show in a couple of weeks to give us an update on the story. Oh, thanks, Kaiser. Thank you. That's this week's show. Thanks for joining us. Drop me an email at kaiser at subchina.com with your feedback. The Caixin Syndicate Business Brief is powered by SubChina and is produced, recorded, and edited by Kaiser Guo with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin and Tanner Brown of Caixin Global and to Spring Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out the Seneca Podcast, the current affairs show I host with Jeremy Goldcorn, and follow the news from China every day at SupChina. Sign up for our free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care. <laughs>